Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Hi, I'm so happy today to introduce you to my friend, Steve Leonard. I call you Steve. Do people call you Steven because you're so formal now? You're a doctor. I know. People call me both all the time. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, I'll call you Steve. And uh, Steve, I met Steve and uh, Lisa Leonard. Steve came up and was our family pastor. Were you a family pastor, associate pastor? Uh, Adult ministries, technically. Adult ministries, technically. Okay. And um, so Steve, tell us, and now you are a doctor of ministry studies or preaching. Is that right? You have a Mm -hmm. doctorate in that. Mm -hmm. A writer, he writes at a wonderful blog. I want you to talk about that a little bit. Starting a podcast and um, very, very creative, has his own business. So Steve, just tell us a little bit, first of all, about your family and then about your, I would call business slash ministry. And then I'm going to have some questions for you. Sure. Yeah. So family, uh, as you mentioned, married to my wife, Lisa, uh, Lisa Leonard, some, some listeners might know her, um, uh, and, and then, um, I'm assuming you're just going to ask me more questions. So I'll just leave that there for a moment. <laughs> but, okay. Um, uh, and then uh, we have two boys, uh, David, our oldest, who has a profound disability called Cornelia DeLange syndrome, very rare genetic, uh, disorder. Hmm. Um, and so he's 20, but he's about the size of an eight year old. He's nonverbal, um, eats soft foods, um, requires a lot of care. Uh, and then our younger son, uh, Matthias, who is 19 and is a freshman at Biola University and is uh, pursuing um, being a uh, fantasy writer. I mm. wants to run and write fantasy novels. So, mm. and is just thriving uh, in college. So, wow. uh, and then the, bu- oh, and then the businesses mm-hmm. and the, all that you said. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have stevendavidleonard.com, which um, is, um, uh, Christian, uh, jewelry and, uh, and gifts, um, kind of a faith based. It's not for, for me, it's sort of not necessarily the most traditional version of that. Um, uh, to me, it's kind of more important that we reflect, uh, God's story than that everything necessarily, you know, has, uh, you know, the word Jesus on it or something, although that's fine too. But, (laughs) um, but we've always kind of just approached it like, that the designs are, are done that way. And then, um, I also lead, um, our other company, as I mentioned, Lisa Leonard designs, um, uh, which is, um, again, just, um, gifts and jewelry that, um, comes out of, uh, who Lisa is and, and, uh, again, out of kind of who our, who, you know, our family story, uh, with David and, and those things. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're so successful. And I just think that's, God's blessing on your lives. I mean, I remember when Lisa had one of her first jewelry parties was in our front room and uh, (laughs) she may not remember it, but I did. Yeah. And uh, I still have vintage Lisa Leonard on my neck with my three girls 
on here. I don't know if you sell the same one anyway. Um, you blog at Life Unbound. Why that name, Life Unbound? Yeah. Um, for me, it's really trying to capture, um, it, it's trying to capture the unbound piece is really trying to um, capture the notion of finding freedom, freedom in Christ, freedom. Uh, I, 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 my own experience and what I see in people is I, I think we live by a lot of oughts and shoulds and and a lot of sort of prescriptions on our lives. I think a lot, you know, we're, we're bound by trying to sort of follow a lot of rules or get the right answer. And, mm -hmm. and, and it just, it hinders us, I think. And, and then that kind of goes to the life part where I think what, you know, kind of, this is sort of riffing on, you know, Jesus and, and John 10, 10, but, you know, he came to give us life and give us life abundantly. And I, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a very important statement. I think, I think that, that he really does want us to have life and yes, he wants us to have eternal life, but I think he wants that eternal life to exist in our lives now that there's a, a fullness of life. And so kind of that, the life unbound is really capturing that notion of mm. finding freedom to really, to live life as God designed it, to live a truly human, a whole life. Um, and, well, I can see Jesus saying that to the Pharisees because they were bound oh, yeah. by man-made rules and a book I'm reading right now, um, The Gift of the Unexpected. She was raised in a very rules, rule-focused faith and had to get unbound from that before she could really know God Yeah, for real. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what you're saying, which leads into, um, did you some, want to say something more about the unbound? Oh, no, that's fine. Okay. Uh, how did you come to know Christ? Yeah. Tell me your faith um, story. Yeah, it was uh, in high school. Um, I I was raised in a home where uh, faith was not um, was not a huge part of my was not a huge part of my um, upbringing. And I got invited to Young Life when I was in high school. Oh, wonderful! And started going to Young Life, and uh, and along the way, we went to Heartland Christian Camp. Up, uh, oh. I grew up in Fresno, and so just I've um, spoken there. Have you? Oh, that's, that's great. quite a ways up there, and it has a great yeah. swing. Yeah, I don't remember the swing. I, oh, I'll be honest. But... I did because I'm scared to death. <laughs> anyway, and so as I went up, it was my first. It was my first like Christian camp. I didn't really know what that was even. Um, yeah. I think I just went because kids from sure that I knew were going. I mean, I, I I was as clueless as you could be. And actually, <laughs> and actually, I I was really hesitant for many years to tell the story the way it really happened. But now I just embrace it because it's yeah. it's true. It's it's who you are. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember, you know, we had all these like conversations. What I know now are like the cabin talks, you know, oh. <laughs> where you go back and, you know, the leaders are trying to find out if you understand what's going on. And I totally didn't um, at all. I had no idea what they were, you know, saying, but mm. all weekend long, I was thinking about like, I was just hearing Jesus spoken about in a way that I'd never, that I'd never heard. And uh, I remember in sort of the big, you know, the big decision night, you know, they gave the gospel presentation and he, and the guy, the speaker is, you know, saying, you know, if you want to put your faith in Christ, then you do this and that. And I literally, I have no idea what he said because I totally tuned him out. Cause I didn't, I did not understand what was going on. I didn't oh. know <laughs> what they were trying to do, but, but I, it worked for me. I, I think because I, I sat there and I'm like, well, God, I have no idea what he, this guy's talking about, I don't, mm. I don't get it, but, but I do see where like you are this, these are not the words I would have said. Cause I was like 15, but 
but my 15 year old version of, I see that you're the, the, like the source and author of life. I see wow. that, that life comes through Jesus. I see, like, I see that my life is not aligned with, with you and with that. And, um, you know, I was a cyclist at the time. And if I wanted to know how my ride, oh. how to ride my bike, I paid attention to everything Greg Lamond did so that I could be an awesome uh, cyclist like Greg Lamond. And I'm like, well, if I follow, so God, if I follow Greg Lamont for cycling, obviously for life, Jesus is the person to follow. And, wow. And I think so that's I'm, profound for a 15 year old. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, I've had people say like, well, when did you repent? And when did you, and I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know, that came along the way. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it always looks the same for everybody. I agree. This, and also I repent daily if I'm smart. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that the repentance piece is one is kind of a one and done. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, God obviously forgives us and, and we're good, but, um, but for us, we've got to sort of have that ongoing posture, I think. So what did your folks think at the time? Oh, they were, <laughs> they were kind of worried that I had joined a cult. Cult, of course, because they're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and I went to, I started going, a lot of the leaders, a lot of the youth leaders, um, for, Young Life were also youth leaders in the EV Free Fresno, mm -hmm. Evangelical Free Church uh, Fresno youth group. Yeah. And and it's important that it was the Evangelical Free Church, because even for me, the, I only knew the word evangelical in one context. It's whack job people who want to take your money on TV. Oh. That's all that word that that that's mm -hmm. what an evangelical is. It's like it's a it's a huckster who tries to get your money. And mm. and that was and it was a big church. It was one of the bigger yeah. churches in Fresno. So the first time I walked in there, I literally, I like walked around and I was looking for the cameras and mm. I, I was just overwhelmed. I'm like, what I, I thought, I'm like, did I join a cult? Yeah, of <laughs> course. Know? And yeah. And ended up, <clears throat> you know, just having, I mean, that became my home church and had wonderful relationships there and, you know, realized that my perception was, was pretty far Skewed. off. But yeah. But they, but they were worried about that. So, yeah, of course. Um, going back to life unbound, how do how do you get your faith growing within the comp? I don't know if you call them confines, learning theology, learning doctrine, understanding your faith more and more as you grew older, practicing it, and yet not getting tied with men's rules. I like to say that habits help me worship, but I don't worship the habits. To me, that's helpful because I yeah. personally, as a creative, I guess you could call it, or undisciplined, whatever, <laughs> depending if I'm feeling guilty or not, right, right. Um, I could, you know, just forget to meet with God. But because right. I have a habit, it's like brushing your teeth. You know, if you don't do it, you really makes a difference. And to me, it's like, so I guess that's just one aspect of our Christianity, meeting with God. But as far as the rule thing, how could you counsel someone right now who's feeling a little like they need to get unbound and yet you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll share just this like little snippet, I guess, of my story on that. Like uh, I've come to realize the way I'm wired is not, um, I'm not what someone might call a rule follower. Um, I, and so, um, and combine that with what I was just saying that I wasn't really raised, you know, in the church, like my, my wife was raised in the church. I, her dad was an elder, like they were the family, they were one of the pillar families in her church. And she, she has this whole framework 
for her faith that I missed out on a hundred percent because I didn't start until I was sure. like 15. Right. Right. And a lot of that stuff I think gets ingrained in you kind of early. So all that, just to say, I only had one way to come to God and only had one way to come to like what truth was. And it was, um, I, I was 15 and, and actually it was on this whole, like, what have I done and who are these people I joined and how do I figure this out? I can't ask my parents cause they don't believe it. I can't ask the people cause they're the ones saying it. So what do I do? Who, who, what's sort of the arbitrator of like, what's true and what's not. So I had gotten, um, uh, I was raised Episcopalian. So I'd gotten a Bible when I was baptized as an infant that I'd never laid eyes on my whole life. I got it from my mom. And one night I, I knelt down by my bed and I'm like, God, I don't know if this thing is true. I don't know if these are the right people. I don't know what, mm. just help me out. I mean, I, I never read the Bible on my own. I literally, I, I knelt down, I opened it up and did that, you know, I did exactly yeah. what I would tell you to never, ever do <laughs> open it up, put my finger on the page and whatever <clears throat> was there, I read it. And it was, um, second Peter where he says, um, no prophecy of scripture was written by man's will, but by, you know, but was breathed out by the will of God. And I'm wow. like, and I literally, I was like, well, that's it. This book is the key. Wow. So it's a long way of getting there. I know, but in terms of like, how do you not get like maybe bound up in the rules and whatever, but still pursue God for, for me, it's always been about going back to the text and, mm. and it's always been about, um, about learning to, to hear God in the text and to hear, you know, we, we bring, we don't know, we don't realize that we do. We bring so much to the text. We can't help it. We can't help it. You know? And so, so we, we've got to constantly, like, even for me, not growing up in the church, I still, you know, I still bring stuff to the text. Um, but we've got to constantly sort of learn to be aware of what our, of what we are bringing to it. So, you know, we, we think we know the story. We think we know what Jesus calming the storm means, but are we bringing our understanding of that? Are we bringing a sermon we heard about that? Or are we really stopping and, and <clears throat> listening to like, what, what is the gospel writer trying to say? Who is the person of Jesus that they're presenting? And I think if you, I think if you go about it like that, you know, and I, I think if you go about it like that, it, it can it can really come alive because scripture's cool. I mean, it, it's one of the reasons that it, it's, I mean, it's one of my passions is to help people read the Bible because the more you understand the backgrounds, the more you understand the narrative structure of, you know, books of the Bible, the more you understand those things, the more it just opens up and you're not, and you're not just living this, you know, you're not, you're not just hearing it through like the, the, well, what's the rule that I'm supposed to follow today kind of approach or what's mm -hmm. the, you know, um, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of us, even if we don't mean to, I think a lot of us come to the Bible that way. So anyway, well, that's yeah. a long answer to your well, question. But it's, but... it's a good one. And I think, uh, any, any time when people say, well, you know, Christianity is just yet another religion and I've choose, chosen not to, to follow it because I believe they're all true. But I like to remember to say in a Christ-like loving way that Christianity is not a religion so much as it is a relationship. And I can lose sight, even as a minister of the gospel in my own little way, of that relationship doing so much for God that I lose sight of who, how much he loves me 
and um, how much he desires just my presence, you know, for me I, to run yeah. to his feet, not just when I'm worried about my children or mad at my husband or want to lose 10 pounds or whatever it is I'm running yeah. to him for. I think he's just, I like to say he's right there at the window, you know, moving the drape. Sue, would you get over here? I've been waiting, you know, because yeah. he loves me, not because yeah. I have checked off all the boxes. Now, one thing I remember was the Sunday at our church when you announced that you would be leaving the pastorate yeah. to go take over, help Lisa with her uh, bird, uh, blossoming business, which we were thrilled for her, yeah. but sad to leave you. And I'm wondering, as as a man and a fellow believer, what challenge uh, did you face in moving from what we call full-time pastoring to business yeah. I mean, I think people, I mean, well, this is a little bit about me, but when I got married, I had a dear friend say, I'm so sorry you got married because you always wanted to be a missionary. <laughs> and because I was coming out of Wycliffe Bible Translators, I go, sure. what? I said, Californians need Christ. You know, I had, I had no problem with getting married in that regard. I mean, it's yeah. hard to be married. I, I think it's a challenging, uh, sanctifying process, but, um, <laughs> I, I thought, oh no, don't need you don't need to worry about that. You know, yeah, Jesus, yeah. my neighbors need Jesus, and this is where we live. And um, so my question was, what did you feel as a man, though? Because I think sometimes we can think of things differently as far as supporting the family. And you thought you were a pastor and now you're yeah. a business owner. Did you struggle at all or was it no big deal? Oh wow. It's funny you should say it. It's funny you should frame it that way, because I don't I don't even think you and I have had this exact conversation, but the way you just framed it, that was exactly my, that was exactly the issue. I spent years trying to figure out if I was a pastor or a business guy. That uh -huh. was like, I mean, it was mm -hmm. a huge, massive challenge. And I, you, you hear about this, you know, you go to seminary, you're a pastor, you hear speakers constantly talk about like, need to make sure that your identity is not as a pastor. No. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you guys, you guys all to do say. need to do that. You know? No. And as soon as I didn't have the title pastor anymore, I realized, oh my word, right. I, my whole identity is as a pastor. And, totally. and if I'm not that, I don't even know what I am anymore. Right. And, um, and I, it's funny. I mean, I, I had, um, uh, you know, friends and mentors, um, you know, Scott Morton, who, you know, uh, I met with him a lot. Every time I think of this question, I think of sitting with him at coffee, kind of whining to him about this, um, actually, but I love um, Scott. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, so all that to say, so I spent a long time wrestling mm -hmm. with that question and, um, it wasn't the only thing, but I have to tell you one of the key things that God used in my life on that was, um, we watched, I think it might be Kung Fu Panda three. <laughs> I'll have to and go watch it. Oh, is I can't remember if it's two or three, but he's wrestling with, is he, he finds out that <laughs> shock um, and I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but, but he finds out that his real dad is not his father. Who's a duck, but his real father, it turns out is a panda. <laughs> and so he has the, one of the major crises of the whole movie is he's trying to figure out, am I a duck or a panda? Yeah. So good. This is awesome. And I'm like, and I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, am I a duck or a panda? Uh -huh. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And at some point he, he, comes this realization, I'm a duck and a panda. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute. I never thought about that. Like you could be a duck and a panda thing, you know, like, yeah. and so mm. it's this really funny way. I have a couple 
ways that God has been pleased to use TV shows and movies to communicate <laughs> with me. I guess he knows Steve language, but, <laughs> um, but I realized like, why do I have to decide between being a business guy and a pastor? And mm. why do I have to have a paycheck from a church to think of myself in the pastor way? And, you know, um, and, and, and the other thing is, is just kind of realizing like, and I'm Steve, that's my identity. Like I'm me. And, and that, and, and I, and that actually brought me to like kind of a, a major learning in, in the Bible, seeing that we're made in God's image and that our like primary identity is as image bearers. And I, I mean, there's a lot that, that was part of what I got in my doctoral program and seeing the kind of seeing the gospel more holistically and things, but well, I, mean, I like, think it's something that, that many, a there, you know? yeah, a lot of women struggle with it a lot. Of course I interview women mainly, but just because you're no longer in the work field and then you stay home, let's say to have a child, you're saying, I've had so many women say, Oh, I'm just a mom. I said, don't you dare say that to me, that you're just a mom, yeah, you know, yeah. or that you, uh, or if you're more valuable because you make a huge salary and oh, then you decide yeah, sure. you're not. And it's, it's so easy for us as humans. I think it's part of our frailty is to get so wrapped in, up into what we do becomes who we are. Yeah. And Jesus said, no, I've already figured out who you are. You're mine. Yeah. And that's actually what counts. But I have found that when I've switched, now I'm older, I don't care about it as much. But as a younger person, I thought, oh, well, the sign on my desk should actually say um, assistant to the director or director's assistant. I mean, to me, that made a big difference. And I thought, oh, if that makes a big difference, I don't want to sign at all. Because I realized yeah, I was yeah. relying on yeah. what I was going to be called. And yeah. I mean, I have friends who don't know what to do with their lives now because their kids are off in college. I mean, they really, it's so easy to get so wrapped up into what we're doing. And I'm not condemning them. We all go through it. But yeah. how beautiful that God used such, really a beautiful transition. We all thought you were great to support your wife. Also, we were excited that she was successful. But I was just thinking, wow, you know, because... We as humans, we look up to people who are pastors as if they're better. And right, right. the pastors, if they're smart, no, they're not. Know right. that they are not. Right. And that's what makes them a better I, pastor. I thought I knew that when I was a pastor. I yeah. thought I knew that it didn't make me better until <laughs> yeah. I wasn't one. And then I went through that struggle and I'm like, oh, I guess I did think I was better. Yeah. Now, um, I read on your website <clears throat> that you are continuing learning the importance of bravely uh, engaging life or taking necessary risk. Why do you say that about brave, having courage, taking risks? Yeah. Um, gosh, it, it, in some ways it relates to some of the same stuff. I mean, kind of, I, I would say these sort of identity issues have been a massive, a massive struggle of, of my life. I mean, it's, it's like a theme that, it, that, uh, comes up again and again, plays itself out a lot of different ways. Um, and, um, I've, I've struggled a lot with, with depression, uh, with deep feelings of worthlessness. Um, and, and the identity side of it was, was a big, you know, I mean, it, it, that, that definitely is like a, I don't know whether it's the driver or, or the, or the result plays out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know which comes first, but, but all that just to say, um, and I, I've just found that for me, I have to, I, I have to often like, um, not force myself to do things, but, um, 
I, I don't, I don't just naturally believe, oh, I'll just do this thing or that thing or the other thing. And I'll be successful at it. Like I have to really, I have to really convince myself to try and to go for it. And that, you know, I could, I could succeed. And so, you know, pretty much any, like, I don't know, any accomplishment I have, uh, that I've achieved, um, it, it really, the first step for me is like overcoming my like deep resistance to even starting because I, I, it just, it's been hard for me in my life to like believe in myself in that way. So that takes a lot of that, you know, for me, that takes a lot of bravery because I think when you fear is a funny thing, you know, people avoid things because of fear, but I think like, and, and then we think like, if I could not be afraid, then I could do it. Mm-hmm. And, and my experience is like, no, like bravery is you have the fear right. when you do it. Mm-hmm. And and that's me. Like I'm kind of, I'm like er- almost everything I do, I'm stepping into it with fear and trembling and, and, and I, you know, and I go for it. And so, um, so I well, guess our, that's, that's where the, that's where the brave piece comes in for me in that statement. And our friend Tim Thule said this and of course doesn't remember that he said it, but I remind him <laughs> on occasion, which is also a sign of a good pastor that, uh, he said, trusting God is, going ahead while afraid. Yeah. And, yeah, right. uh, but the world will go ahead and say, I have, you know, girded up my loins. They may not say it that way. And right. they, they try something new and they're successful, but then they come in themselves. And right. I think we have to be careful, even as believers say, Hey, I was really good. Let's say I spoke last Saturday. People, how, how did it go? Well, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Cause I don't want to say, yeah. yeah, I was really on top of things. Actually, I was exhausted and God did it anyway. But uh, it was funny at church yesterday, this one guy goes, so how did the speaking go? I go, all it came out was God was so good and so faithful. And she goes, what a surprise. I mean, I thought that was so (laughs) encouraging because we have a tendency to rely on ourselves. I just think that's a default. And you might say, oh, no, I'm not courageous. Oh, yes, you are. You're courageous every day. And, um, and this one person told me once that trusting God is like, you feel like you're falling off a cliff and then you find out it's only a curb, (laughs) but you don't know it's a curb until you jump. And so, uh, I just think that's so the more we grow in Christ, the more we realize he's the one at the curb, but it might feel like a windfall or not windfall, but you know, you might feel like you're going crazy as you're falling down. What, um, counsel can you offer a family that has a special well not special needs we call them a child with disabilities is the new way we say it right Uh, i mean you have been through the ringer through that you didn't know david was going to um be a child with disabilities until i think the day before he arrived yeah well even still i mean really it was when he was born i mean we knew something was wrong right right before but yeah we didn't really know until he was born um yeah, gosh, Lisa and I were, no, actually I just shared the story with Matthias, uh, just a couple, uh, weeks back. Um, your other son. Yeah. Our other son. Mm-hmm. Cause he mm-hmm. wanted to hear, you know, he wanted to hear the story now that he's 19 and yeah. kind of understands things better. And, and I was telling him that, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I'm there, you know, as, as husband and dad coaching Lisa, you know, push, push. And, you know, like, saying, we're going to meet our beautiful son and thinking, I have no idea what's coming. I mean, just terrified. I have no idea what, what we're about, you know, what we're about to meet. And, but, you know, but we're here and this has got to happen. And so it's like, and, ah, man, that was such a mix of, of feelings, but, um, in terms of advice for somebody, uh, you know, um, I, 
It's funny. I, one, I'll go back to the image of God. I mean, really, mm-hmm. you know, we see in David uh, that he's made in God's image mm-hmm. and we really, we look at him that way. And I think David, David has taught me that too, you know, and it's, it's funny because like, I can see it in him. I have to work hard to see it back in me. Why is that? Um, I, his worth is so inherently obvious to me. Mine, it, I, I just struggle with it. That's all I can say on mm. that. Um, but, but in terms of like, you know, so what, what does that mean? We, we, uh, I don't know, I think it was two days after he was born or something. We sat down with a geneticist from, from UCLA cause we were in Southern California. And, and, uh, so he sat down to like, you know, do genetic counseling with us, help us understand <clears throat> the syndrome that he has and everything. And, uh, so he's telling us some characteristics and kind of, you know, he's, he's kind of doing the, you know, he's being very kind and, but being very clear about what these are characteristics of Cornelia delaying syndrome. And, um, and we're kind of like, okay, okay. But like, we don't really, we don't really care about like, yes, we know his eyebrows are a little bit arched and we know, you know, we can see that he's only got two fingers on his left hand. So, I mean, thank you. But like we, we, we can, can see that part. See that. What we really want to know is what everybody wants, like what everybody wants to ask us. We want to know how long is he going to live and what kind of life is he going to have? Like mm-hmm. that's of course that, bottom line, bo- bottom line. That's what most people's questions right. <laughs> come down to. And, and so we're kind of like, well, how, like, what's he gonna, how long is his life? Like how long, what's it, what's it going to be like? And he goes, you want to know how long he's going to live and what his life's going to look like. And we're like, Yes. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. He goes, okay, well, here's the thing. If your son was typical and did not have Cornelia DeLang syndrome, I could not give you the answer to those questions. Mm, wow. So that he has Cornelia DeLang syndrome, I can't give you the answer to those questions. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to listen to David and he's, you're going to have to let him teach you what he can do and, and what his life is going to be like. Wow. That's a wise doctor. Oh my gosh. I mean, we looked at each other and I mean, it's like, it's a mantra for us. Uh, So we, we have always approached David that way that like, you know what, we're going to let him, we're not going to, it's really easy when you have a child with the, with this, you know, especially severe disabilities, it's easy to sort of limit them on the front end because whatever you're, I mean, I, I put David to bed every night and I kissed like literally for nearly 21 years, I put David to bed every night and kissed him and told him goodbye because I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's going to wake up every morning, every morning he does wake up, but you know, he's been sick. We've almost lost him a few times. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't want to regret, you know, I don't want to regret not having loved him fully. You know, I don't want to look back and go, why didn't I take that time with him yesterday, that last day, whatever. So I, I always do. And, um, and it's not because I'm trying, it's not because I like live in the fear of him dying as much as I just want to be present with him. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's really the driver for me, um, more, but with that kind of in mind, you know, you, you, you can get into this mindset of like, well, we shouldn't do that with David because he could get hurt. Well, David can't do that because he can't walk. Well, David can't do that because you know, whatever, there's a tons of reasons why David can't do all kinds of things. And we've always taken the approach of like, wait, when we find ourselves doing that, we're like, okay, we're going to go, we've taken him, you know, to multiple countries around the Mm -hmm. world. We've taken him on back, you know, not, not a backpack trip, but we've taken him hiking and, 
figure out a way to, you know, to be able to strap them on and, and so that we can go hiking as a family and, um, you know, (coughs) you know, we've just done all kinds of things to try to give him opportunity to show us what he's capable of rather than assuming that we know on the front end. And so Mm -hmm. I, you know, that, that's been really beneficial to us and, and we've seen that be a really good thing for David. I can see, and you can elaborate on this some more. Uh, you were saying how David uh, has taught you um, that he is that we are all made in God's image <clears throat> more so than yourself. I mean, because he is of inherent value because God made him the way he was is, and um, and yet he's made us that way too in the way we are, and yet we have more struggles than David. I mean, maybe he's not that self-aware with that and it's fine with him. Yeah. (laughs) We're the ones struggling because we see value as things that we do, right? Absolutely. So what a great lesson. I mean, every day you have this lesson and you guys are such great parents. And I know it's been a struggle, especially I would imagine when you compare your kids with other kids and you think, well, mine will never do that. And I don't know, maybe that doesn't bother you, um, but it could. Yeah, no, there's times, I mean, we're, we're, you know, there's different phases of life. The phase we're in right now, our younger son just went off to college and our older son is home. And on the one hand, we're so delighted. I, I can't believe how brokenhearted I've been to watch my son go off to college. Yeah, I, I cried never, I was like, you know, I was a college pastor when I was at Grace and, yeah. I, you know, and I would see these, you know, poor parents and I'm like, don't worry, mom and dad, it's all yeah, going to be gonna okay. Be fine. <laughs> Let them go, you know, and yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm that parent. <laughs> Isn't but, that funny? Yeah. So I'm so brokenhearted that he's gone, but I'm so happy that we got, that we have David here with us and we still get Mm -hmm. to have our our other son. Simultaneously, I'm so delighted for Matthias that he's now in the stage that he's kind of phase one of launching his own life. Mm -hmm. And that's such a beautiful thing to see in your, in your child. And then I'm brokenhearted that David's still home with us. And like, he's the older brother. He should be, he should be showing his brother how to, what it looks like to to move out and to go to college and, you know, he should be a, a couple steps ahead. And, and so you, you do feel that, that sense of, yeah, he's never going to this or he's never going to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's a reality and you, and you have to grieve that. I mean, you really, it's true. And you've got to grieve that, you know, he's not going to go off to college. He's not, he's just not going to do that. I just want to tell you this, that I grieve whenever my kids leave and they come home for like three days and then they go, bye mom, I have to work or whatever. And Mary Grace is the youngest and she, um, we call her the runt and she doesn't mind, but uh, she's a marriage and family therapist and she feels deeply. <laughs> and so now she, I go, I've told myself, well, I always cry when you guys leave. And so I sit down and watch like Mission Impossible 14 with my husband because I can really get into that. And then once that, you know, two hours lasts, I'm not crying anymore. And I, I think that's just, the way I deal with it. And so when um, somebody left, I guess it was Mary. So Mark comes downstairs. He goes, Mary says, you need a hug. (laughs) I said, okay, where to go, Mary? (laughs) But it's like, then I cry. But um, I just think it's something about coming and going. You know, God made us with these emotions. And of course, that's not all that you're talking about. But just know that when Matthias comes home and then leaves again, it's okay to grieve. Yeah. Oh no. I feel it every time. 
I always I mope around all evening after yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> every well, time. Let's and that's we we have yeah. to be careful. Same thing, what we put on because yeah. you know you yeah. can't watch anything sad. You can't watch no, anything no. where you know no no children can die in this show. No children anything. can die in this show. And yeah. um, right, exactly. And make sure yeah. it's some sort of escape that doesn't harm you, yeah. and <laughs> like yep. drinking too much or whatever. Yeah, and right. uh, uh, because I think that's just we're just weak. You know, God knows we're dust. And yeah. And I didn't know I had such a mom's heart until my kids left. Yeah. You know, they can be annoying. Well, and it's, and it's also, <laughs> it, it's, it's beautiful in a way, you know, to like yeah. think that, you know, you're, you know, we, we feel so strongly for our kids and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean that I, 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 that's one of the major things that's helped me understand God's heart too. Mm-hmm. Me is too. I, I know what I, I know what I feel as a dad and, you know, I mean, scripture's got a lot of, a lot of, if, if you, a sinful person, know how to give good gifts to your kids or know how to love your kids or yep. know what's best for your kids, how much more, more. does your father in heaven know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I feel this stuff pretty intensely <clears throat> with my kids. And if that's how God sees my kids at this point, I'm less worried about me. If that's how my, how my father in heaven sees my kids, that's intense. And if he mm-hmm. sees me that way too, Wow. I mean that, you know, that, that does open up. I mean, to your point earlier, that relational element of, of, you know, of our faith. I mean, it's, I, I really, I agree with you. I think that's one of the cornerstones and, and that's too. such a, such a window into that. And I think I know what you're supposed to do in this next season of life. I think you should write a book and it's called how much more. <laughs> And it's a parenting book as well as God, God's parenting us. I mean, you learn. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) I've learned. um, I'll send it to you. You can dedicate it to to me. Um, um, I've learned about my lack of trust in God from being a parent. And I've learned about how much he loves me from being a parent. And I think there's all sorts of aspects, things I didn't even ask for uh, in my life. You know, I wanted to get married, but not necessarily have kids, but it happened anyway. And yet that is my greatest source of, of faith growing. How, um, talk a, briefly about, cause it's going a little longer than usual. Cause you're so interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, talk a little bit about dad guilt. Is oh, it, is it different than mom guilt? Yeah, that's, that's good. It's funny because I, you know, I work so, uh, intimately with Lisa Leonard, both the person and the company. Yeah. So I, I've learned a lot about moms <laughs> and yes. as a result of that. I, I, I'm, you're you know, in touch with your feminine side. Let's put it that way. I am. I mean, I am. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I, and I know the struggles. I mean, I really yeah. do because we, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a, it's such a part of our business that um, I, I'm like in that world a lot. Um, but the thing is, is that, yeah. And so I know mom guilt is such a thing, but dad guilt is real. And I don't think that dad guilt gets the, gets the press that no. mom guilt gets Well, because men don't talk about it. That's why. No. Cause men don't talk about anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say that, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's true though. It, it, it's true. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's one of the interesting things with dad guilt. It's part of it. You know, you're supposed to be strong and quiet mm-hmm. and, um, you, you're even supposed to make room for your wife to be able to feel guilty and to be able to talk about it. And one of the things that you do as a dad is you don't because then mm-hmm. she can't or something like, I mean, that's what we think, you know, but dad guilt is real. And I mean, I know, uh, you know, I felt it and I know a lot of men feel it that for men, I think it shows up a lot over, Oh, I'm not earning enough or I'm not home enough or, 
I'm not um, spiritual enough. I'm not spiritual enough. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not investing, you know, in my kids' spiritual lives enough, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, we should be memorizing scripture together, but we're not, or, you know, um, whatever I missed the last, I missed the last sports game, you know, whatever that, whatever mm-hmm. that was. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, you know, I think most dads, you know, do try to be there for those things, but, but yeah, dad, dad guilt is real. And I think it has a lot to do with that, you know, trying to be for men, we, we want to be strong enough. We want to mm-hmm. provide enough. And I, I don't know. I, I know in our culture, like some of those things, we're not supposed to think that way, but men do think that way, whether it's, whether we're supposed to or not, those, mm-hmm. those I, I, I think that's where a lot of our struggles come in on that front. And maybe have, we, this... have we taught our kids correctly too? I think it's yes. a big one, you know, like, have we taught them right from wrong or have we taught them to have good discernment or wisdom or some of those things too? So, And I think it can come from both parents. Once they're gone, there's nothing more really we could do. I mean, we pray yeah, and, um, and we give advice when they ask. Yeah. Not when they haven't. I'm learning that one. Oh, it's a toughie, <laughs> I'm especially a, with you girls. Can, you can tell just by this interview that like talking is not my weak suit. And yeah. I literally have to like, mm-hmm. I, I have to like discipline myself on phone calls to ask questions and just listen instead of. And I have said like, uh, do you want, do you want me to say something about this? They always say yes, but then they'll stop me if I've gone too far. Yeah. But if I don't ask ahead of time, then they've already stopped in their mind. Yeah. So it's a waste of my breath. What legacy do you want uh, to be giving to those who know and love you? Yeah, I. It goes back to some of the things that we've said already, but Good. really that that we live in we live in God's world and the story of Him pursuing uh, us to restore His creation as His image bearers, and that and that's it. I mean, I I want. I talk with, with our family all the time about that we live in God's story and that, you know, it's not just that God's redeeming the world, but he's restoring, you know, he's restoring the creation. And, and I think like, if you can hang on to that, we don't, we, we live by stories and that's, I mean, I'll try to keep that short, but we live, we live by stories, by little stories and big stories. Yeah. And if we can orient our big story to being in his story, instead of, you know, there's a lot of stories around in our culture these days and, um, but if we can orient to that story, I think it, I think it gets very clarifying. Um, uh, it's something that we can kind of go back to again and again. And can you give an example? Yeah. A quick, I mean, a quick one. Yeah. I mean, re- you know, a really quick one without, you know, getting into it, you know, like we love our political stories right now. Right. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what, you know, different, different people take their different stances. So we don't have to, you know, get into, into that, but and we think that it's easy to think that that's, that's what matters is like maybe even what happens with America because we're Americans and this is our country this is where we live. It's, you know, and we think that what happens here is the most important thing, but, but really that story takes place within a bigger story of, of God restoring his world, mm. you know, and, and we, we, we don't see, we, we see the Bible as, as this other thing, but we actually live between you know, the first and the last page of that book. Mm. And, and so if we can remember that, then all of our other stories become sort of subsets of that story. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that that's kind of what I'm getting at. I love it. I'm professor who said, um, spirituality isn't a slice of the pie. It's the whole pie. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. So it's not just a part of our lives. And that when people feel bruised and beaten down, whether it's as a victim of someone else or just because of their own um, susceptibilities, that they are still part of a bigger story. And I think what a mentor does is help call that out and remind them of Philippians 1.6, you know, that he has begun a work in you and he's not going to stop till it's finished. Yeah. So you might as well... Well, it's like that science fiction book by uh, C.S. Lewis, and you're you're on an island of God's will. I don't know if you've yeah. read Paralandra, but you're on yeah, these yeah. islands, and you bump into others, but you're in the flow of God's will when we surrender and yeah. stop trying to control everything ourselves. Any yeah. obstacles or challenges you had to overcome to be able to relay this uh, legacy? Yeah, I mean, this is you know we we've touched on some of the stuff. I mean, just you know the depression and and all those things have have been a major thing. I I. I mentioned to you before the call, I, I lost one of my best friends a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. He just died unexpectedly. Um, his heart just stopped beating. And, um, and that, that kind of rocks you, you know, we were mm -hmm. 47 at the time we'd been friends wow. since, high, since high school and, um, you know, it just kind of makes you stop and think what, what is my legacy and what do I want it to be? And, um, you know, again, we've had, you know, we've kind of touched on a number of things between, you know, you know, with David's disability, um, sort of the struggles, identity struggles and all those things. And, you know, it's kind of like, and I would say the struggles have all kind of led to finding this legacy in, in a way. I mean, that, the, the reason that that's what I care about is that that's what I find I actually hold on to, you know, myself. And so, um, so that's what's kind of brought me there and why I want that to be the legacy. Um, how does your life embody the welcoming heart of God? And I don't mean hospitality necessarily. Say, say, say it one more time. Well, you know, I talk about hospitality a lot and I speak right, right. on the welcoming heart of God, but the whole idea is that God has invited us to himself. He is the great pursuer, right? We've, we've even yes. touched on that, this yes. discussion. So how do you embody God's welcome for the world? Yeah, I, I think I would say it, I think I'd say it this way. One of, one of the things that my friend Leo, who passed away, was just so good at was he he was a very intentional friend. Um, mm. He was very good about reaching out to people and, and keeping connections alive with people. And, um, and, I, and that's something that I've tried to, and it's funny because he and I talked about it a lot and he actually got on my case about it a lot, like, dude, you need to come hang out and, you know, we need to reconnect or whatever. I mean, he was, mm -hmm. he, and he did that with all of us. And it's one of those things that like, I mean, he and I actually even got in arguments about it at times. And, <laughs> and at this point I I'm like, well, Leo, you're right. Mm. You know, you win. And I, and I wanted, and that's something I want to take away, mm. you know, from like, that's something that I'm trying to like embody in my, in my life more is being much more intentional about relationships, investing in relationships, being present. I, somebody actually just challenged me, um, recently we we're, we we're doing, uh, worship practice <laughs> and the guy said, people come and, you know, we show up to things and there's, and, and we can show up with a, here I am attitude or mm -hmm. a, there you are attitude. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, this can go, which way is this going to go? And he goes, so we can come and say, Hey, Hey everybody, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> check me out, you know, or we can show up and say, Hey, there you are. And I see you. And he's like, let's just Sunday, let's be there. You are people. And I just, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I am such a, here I am person. <laughs> I'm so terribly a, here I am person. 
And I, but it really, it, it has stuck with me. I mean, it really, I'm like, wow, God like really gave me a word. And so I, I'm trying to be intentional with relationships and I'm really, I'm trying to show up and, and be more of a, there you are person and mm -hmm. see people and listen to people and, <clears throat> you know, and, and be, you know, maybe a skosh less about myself. Myself. Yeah, me too. Well, we have big personalities so <laughs> we can say, well, it's not our fault. God made us this way, but right. The whole idea of walking into a room and seeing someone sitting by themselves, that's my big mantra. And yeah. you go and sit with them. Now, yeah. maybe they don't want you to, and you can right. find that out right away. Right. But to go in and say, I see you because God sees us. Right. And we are just here to pass along his invitation. Yeah. Well, Steve, yeah. you have been a delight. We could talk another hour, but we won't. And Steve, you want to give something away this week to my listeners? Something from yes. your shop? Do you have I something do. in mind? I don't. Okay. Well, there will be a giveaway. I, I should have by thought the about time. that beforehand, no, no. But, I, but I will. I will come up with something. Think of, think of it, and um, to to be in the running for his great giveaway, which we will put in show notes. Uh, you just have to follow Steve on his Instagram as well as myself, Sue Moore Donaldson, Stephen David Leonard. Yeah, Leonard. Thank you for that. And um, and maybe with something other stipulation, I'm not sure what. We'll figure it out. But you will want something from his beautiful shop. So I'm going to put the links for that in the show notes. So, uh, Steve, thank you. You have been a huge blessing. That's one thing I liked about your teaching. You're so real. And God has great things in store and maybe a book dedicated to me, but, you know, with a good title. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here. <laughs>